All right. Jack, you ready to do this? I think it's a big day, doctor. Yeah. So for all of our listeners, we're going to do something a little bit different today. A little bit of a, I don't want to call it a special announcement, but it's an announcement. So for those that have listened, we're well into our 40th number episode, 40 plus in season three, 150 overall. Lately, we've been talking about like this whole investment thing, right? And so, you know, we've been doing the swipes. We've been talking about like good business hygiene, basically like the reckoning that's going to come within the cyber industry because it's important because it ultimately impacts all of us, right? And so I think what we want to share is, you know, in the course of talking all this, Jack and I have realized that there's a big opportunity that exists within the market. And it basically is one that is helping pre-revenue cyber companies achieve their full potential, right? And that includes having good business hygiene, actually like helping the industry and helping good people solve challenging issues in cyber. And so we are announcing Elmana Cyber. So Jack and I have been around for within the industry for a long time. Collectively, like we've got a lot of years of experience under under our belt here. So Jack and I are going to be launching Almana Cyber, helping companies try to find their market fit, um, helping them find sources of funding, um, helping them be viable organizations now and ongoing in the future. The spirit of this it really is to be a new type of venture fund. And really the spirit is saying, you know, we're familiar with what is the Y Combinator, which I'm going to ask Jack to talk about here in just a second, but kind of mirroring that idea and that philosophy, but doing it for cyber. So Jack, for those who might not know what a combinator is, or I say, hey, you know, the model is similar to what a Y combinator would be. If someone said, geez, Justin, Jack, what's a combinator? (laughs) What would you say to them? Yeah. So in keeping with what Justin just described, right, we've spent a lot of time over the last year or so talking about how companies have formed themselves in ways that weren't necessarily healthy for themselves, right? Or healthy for the value proposition or or even for the clients, right? And so a combinator is this concept. If you're familiar with computer programming, computer science, right? A combinator is a function built out of functions, right? So you create a function that composes itself out of other things that sort of know what they're doing. And, you know, the best example of this from the investment community, as Justin mentions, is the Y Combinator, where it was a company built to build companies. What does that actually mean? Well, there's a lot to building a company, right? For those of us who have done it a few times, it is not about just the idea. It's not just about this great team. It's not about a great you know, sales strategy or message. It's about putting things together, right? And we've talked a lot and you know, Justin provided a lot of insight about the financial implications about doing things right over the course of time. And so what we're creating is a cyber combinator. Cybersecurity is really freaking hard. Right. Cybersecurity isn't like a market for databases or social networking or asset inventory. Cybersecurity is a fractured market. It was created artificially out of the needs people had. So sometimes you've got things that are like enablers, you know, think about cryptography or think about uh, authentication. Right. So these are enabling technologies that are like, hey, that's a security technology. Cool. And then there are management technologies. Right. So, hey, maybe I'm going to build a new SIM or maybe I'm trying to deliver on automation. So I've got a SOAR. So there's that. Two things could not be more different than cryptography and authentication and SIM and SOAR. And then there's network technologies, you know, leaders, you know, like the team at Palo Alto or back in the day at Checkpoint or pick your firewall of choice, network technologies. Oh, wait a minute. We're not done yet. Let's talk about endpoints. 
right? You've got a sea change that happened a few years ago in Endpoint with the three Cs. You had CrowdStrike, Silence, and Carbon Black, and everybody's running around. And so cybersecurity is hard. So if you want to be that combinatorial function, if you want to be the function of security that can create companies that are good at security, you got to know security. You really got to know security. And so what Justin and I are doing is to create a place where those new ideas and those new concepts that are going to make security easier for everybody can be brought together in one place so that they can understand really complicated issues that, frankly, security people don't oftentimes think about, right? Thinking about things like product market fit. Why do people really need this? Because in security, you know, you're, you're kind of like a doctor, right? You're looking at it like, how could anyone want to keep smoking? I don't know, but people keep doing it. Right. And so in, in security, you're sort of sitting there saying, like, why don't you want to do this? My product does the thing that's going to prevent ransomware from spreading from machine A to machine B. Why wouldn't they want that? Well, because, frankly, they're more worried about the fact that stolen credentials are a problem for them. Right. And so our role is to help brilliant founders with great ideas and a real sense of mission and purpose figure out how to morph what they're doing from just an idea into a company that's resilient and stable and will be able to serve like what I think about is like three different populations, right? They will serve first off themselves and their employees, right? So it's a stable business that grows and is stable and you're, it's understandable. You're not relying on the next round of funding to survive. Secondly, it's going to help your clients. Your clients will know that company will exist and will grow in a mature way and will be able to continue to solve the problem you promised yourself in the first place. And the third thing, and maybe this is the longest throw for Justin and I, we would like to change the market so that security companies define themselves by their capacity to succeed long-term, to be profitable, to be successful, to bring on folks who can develop cutting-edge technology, and who are always, always supporting and protecting the clients they intended to serve. So put those things together, and you basically have the backbone of what's going to happen in a cyber combinator which is a little bit different than a traditional you know, sort of VC investor slash traditional co combinator as an investment source. Oh, yeah, that's great. A big advantage to this and this type of approach is um, it's getting the fit right in a room where all the oxygen has been sucked out by bigger competitors and being very purposeful and judicial about the dollars that are spent so that you can operate more like a sniper than one with a machine gun you know, or shotgun approach. And so honestly, like, I think anybody listening to this episode and like our following would agree, like cyber is a different beast. Like it's a little bit harder to understand. Even if you ask someone today, even someone in the industry, like what is cybersecurity? Like you are going to get varied answers, which is wrong. Like it shouldn't be that. And the fact we're in 2022, after all these years and all this investment in these billions and billions of dollars going into the industry, like we still have this issue. So as you fundamentally stuff is busted like serious way and you know there's great great companies out there there's people with great ideas and honestly there's people out there with ideas that i believe could legitimately actually help clients solve their cybersecurity challenges that they face today but by the way they're never they're never ever going to get any airtime because the marketing dollars are going to companies that are you know X number of their size. They're the publicly traded companies. They're the companies that are getting the amounts of funding that are going to solve world hunger. 250 million, 500 million, billion dollars. And it's like, how is a small company supposed to, you know, make change or create change when you're competing against that type of war chest? It's like, you can't. 
And you know, when I think about the value of trying to change the industry is just trying to get aspiring good companies with good founders on a level playing field and one that they can compete on, right? And give them the framework that they can kind of step into. I'm saying like long-term, you know, you follow this recipe and by the way, you're going to be a dangerous asset and you will be able to compete. But more importantly, like you will be able to help people that you might not have been able to help otherwise. Yeah. I just want to like chase down one of the things you just said, Justin, because I think it's important. You and I, you know, we work for a company that you founded called New Harbor, right? And we, we tend never to talk about it uh, on the podcast where this is not a commercial podcast that way. However, right, Almana also benefits from the fact that New Harbor has a established and happy base of folks who are really, really smart, who tell us all the time what to do differently, right? Mm-hmm. And Maybe it's helpful to talk a little bit about the relationship between what Almana companies and in the cohort will be looking to do. You've already mentioned the product market fit, but the impact that it has to have that relationship with our existing company, with the New Harbor. Well, it's pretty significant, really. And it's, I, I think it's really the biggest differentiator, honestly. You know, the advantage with New Harbor is, and especially New Harbor being an end-to-end provider of cybersecurity services and solutions is we see a lot different cybersecurity topics. We have a variety of different clients, all with cybersecurity challenges, but perhaps of different flavors of that. So there's a lot of variations to it. The net of all that is we see a lot of forms facets, different functions, different requirements that exist within cybersecurity that I think makes our perspective unique for an aspiring cybersecurity company. It's a level of expertise and perspective that I don't believe that really exists within the market today or is available to companies that are pre-revenue, right? Or just getting started. And just to kind of hit it home and to paint a visual example is say you're, you're an aspiring founder of technology that perhaps you're super passionate about, and perhaps you're one that's kind of open to directional change, but you kind of have an idea of the problem that you're trying to solve. And imagine a world where you have a team behind you that has market data, that have years in the saddle of kind of solving these challenges to kind of be an advisor and fine tune your products so that when you go out to talk to clients or, you know, whomever you're talking about, you're actually solving something tangible that is real and that really exists. And now all of a sudden your positioning statement and your product market fit and your sales approach resonates in ways that could have never resonated before because you would have never had the data points otherwise. And it's such a market differentiator. I personally don't know of any company that is able to offer that. And it's certainly not something that the traditional venture capitalist type of programs have offered because like, that's not what they do. They're, you know, finance people, they're investors, and they look at the market economics that go with these investments because they've got to get a return on their investors, but they don't have kind of a stable of expertise that they can lean on in order to validate these ideas are, are true and valid. Yeah. I, I love that because I think what if you're a startup person you worry about and i always did right is how do i figure out if my idea is right your first company you're assuming you're right and by the second company you realize oh shit, i wasn't right and so you want to find as early as you can where there may be 10 or 20 or 30 percent deviation from what you thought was the right solution and the only way you learn that through customers that I mean prospects and people who are willing to give you honest transparent feedback 
right? And so what you just described in terms of the environment, because of the relationship we have with New Harbor, is we can actually talk to really, really smart people who are trying to solve this problem, but they're not necessarily, you know, hi, I built a security company, people, right? Because I think that oftentimes what ends up happening is that investors rely on other successful security entrepreneurs to help guide the paths of their new companies, their new investments, in an absence of that customer feedback. But as we know, security is so different from problem to problem, from customer to customer. The most valuable thing you can ever get is direct contact with the customer. And we're talking about this in the relatively generic sense of how do I make sure I'm building the right thing? Let's talk about it more specifically. If you're accelerating through your series seed into your series A, and so series, you know, the company going into the series seed is like, hey, we have a great idea. Let's smart people. Let's get some money. Great. What if you went to your series seed and said, and by the way, we've talked to 10 CISOs or 10 directors of security. They've identified a very specific problem. Yeah, we've tilted a little bit, 7% to the left to make our thing a little bit more like what they wanted. But now we know that the thing we have is what this representative body proxy for the market says is important. I've never seen that early on in the stage. And I think that the structure of Almana and the partnership New Harbor allows us to get them that access and to get great founders access to great customers so they can create great solutions. Yeah, it's, um, it's a powerful combo. So, Justin, let me ask you a question. So the two of us are doing this. The gang is doing this. But I think probably the audience is like, and why you, right? Why can't I go do this? I've been thinking about security. I'm a pretty smart person. What makes you, Justin, or you, Jack, particularly well-qualified to help shepherd and guide and lead and support companies through this process? I'm going to start with you. <laughs> so, thanks, man. Um, I think for, for anybody that's listened to the episodes, I mean, I think they all know our expertise, but combination of mine, I've been in security for now over 20 years, led large fortune 500 cybersecurity programs, you know, started highly successful businesses. It's a way that we've developed a expertise of evaluating new cybersecurity technologies, familiar with the cybersecurity threat landscape. I don't know how many clients I've talked with at this point. It's got to be 400, 500 different clients over the last just couple of years about their cybersecurity challenges. So it's like, at this point, I feel pretty safe to say I'm, I'm intimate in the cybersecurity <laughs> industry. Like in, in ways, like I don't think others can have the same conversation, breadth of conversation, and then kind of take it one step further. I don't know. I might be three standard deviations from the mean as far as developing a profitable cybersecurity company, right? So understand what that takes and, you know, also understand like not only what it takes to be successful, but being able to kind of see around corners and know what's coming up. And there's times that it's part of founding a business. And I would say this for any business, not just cyber, there's times you got to eat dirt, right? And you may not like it, but you've got to come to the realization, like in order to make this thing go, you've got to eat it. And someone in a position to reaffirm like, yeah, this is the sucky part. And this is all like the crap you're going to have to deal with and letting them know like that's normal. And by the way, like it's normal and you just got to work through it, like get through it as fast as you can and to almost validate it. It's a way to ensure you keep momentum, right? And you don't kind of overthink things. And I think that combination of experience I'd like to think is unique. What about you? I love the eating dirt because that's what I'm best at. I've <laughs> You know, in, in the course of 
starting the three companies, you make a lot of mistakes. I would like to think that the cohort companies inside of Almada will never make the litany, the innumerable mistakes that I've made. Because, you know, even for randoms who call and say, dude, I'm running this company, what should I do? I try to give them advice that's based on the mistakes that I've made and the lessons I learned from them, right? So yeah, if you've eaten dirt, I've eaten Mount Fuji, right? Spoonful at a time. And uh, it, it is a lot of lessons to be learned. But similarly, I think I'm probably a lot like some of the founders who may be out there, right? Some of these small companies who may be out there, where I thought in the first company that the technology was so incredibly awesome, it would make it go. And the company was acquired and that was great. But I realized through the back end of it, yeah, no, it could have been different. It could have been even better. It could have been wonderful had I thought more about what the customer wanted to do with it and stopped thinking about the period of the tech. And then the second company, I already had that in my mind, but I didn't think about the way the customer was going to buy. I didn't think about who would be writing the check, who would be impacted by it. And so another set of lessons learned. And then in the third company, you know, figuring out all the complicated tech, all the ways in which you can get out there, all the way you figure to solve the problems, but not necessarily realizing what the channels were like, right? So I'm a geek, right? I get a dozen patents, but the lessons I've learned are about how a geek can create a more successful business. And you've helped me a ton with that as well, because frankly, the fact that you can create a profitable cybersecurity business is an oxymoron. And so for us, at least, and for my interaction, for us together, it's sort of this yin and yang. And I think that why us is because it's us. It wouldn't have been me. It might have been you, but it wouldn't have been me by myself, because I think that our cohort companies need both angles on mm -hmm. this, both lenses on it, and both sets of experiences that we've had to make them successful. So I think we're kind of uniquely well positioned for this. Yeah. Jack, let me ask you this. So it's kind of advancing this a little bit forward. So there's someone out there who's listening to this right now and saying, okay, this sounds like gravy. Sounds totally good. How do I start? What's the process? Like what are, what are kind of next steps and what are, what are the expectations? Great question. So, and again, we're making no bones about the fact that the team at White Comedy did a great job of this, right? And the thing that I, Justin and I have talked a lot about as we've thought about creating this is that the community that's formed is so incredibly important. So this process is meant to help companies feel like they've got what they need in the cohort. So it starts off with an application. If you can't tell from the way that Jess and I talk a lot, we're constantly questioning our own decisions, right? We're constantly trying to think about a better way to do things. So we're looking for companies that are open-minded, right? And that they're self-aware. We are looking for companies that are willing to go through the process of making sure that they're going to create a successful, reliable, stable business that grows really, really quickly. And so the process has three basic phases. There's an application process, the validation process, and then the glorious process called acceptance. So if you're at all interested, if you think this is something you'd like to look at, and maybe you're wondering if you fit, our application is available on the Almana Cyber website. And so you can take a look, and it'll also describe to you the, what the entire process looks for. It may not be for you. It may not be for everyone. But if you're looking to rapidly grow a cybersecurity company with great product market fit and validation from the real market, it's probably a, a decent choice for you to at least apply. Every single company that applies to that cohort is going to get a full review of their application. We're not going to throw stuff away. We're not going to lose it like some associate. We're going to look through every application because, frankly, you spent the time to do it. We're going to spend the time to analyze it. And you'll be notified quickly if you're moving on to the next stage. Right? This is really important to us that we maintain that relationship with you, that you understand that you're super valuable to us. We're only doing this because of the fact that 
We believe we can make cybersecurity easier for folks by bringing great companies to market in a stable way and change this marketplace. So we will then conduct with those folks who move on to the next stage, a single 60 minute interview to decide who's gonna get accepted. It's really that easy. You fill out the application, you get your stuff together, we review it, and then we schedule an interview. Because frankly, we're gonna to wanna to ask some questions. An application's great, but it's cold, right? It's cold and it's dead. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna find out and we're gonna look at you and we're gonna think about it. And we're gonna say, hey, this person is really committed. She's got her stuff together. She's started through. And there may be nuances that are lost in your application that come out in a face-to-face -face interview. And so then, not necessarily face-to-face, -face, it could be virtual, but it will be an interview process. And then within two weeks, there's no long running uncertainty. Within two weeks, you'll know whether you're in or not. And companies accepting the cohort, you'll be welcomed as a group because that's what this is. You know, when Justin and I first talked about this, one of the big things he said was, this is going to be a community. In the same way we try to support each other in cyber, in the same way we support each other uh, in Vermont, we're going to try to make sure that these organizations are engaged in supporting one another. It's one of the most, I think, one of the most important successes of White Combinator is the fact that they've got 3,000 companies, 6,000 founders communicating with one another about how to make things better. Building cybersecurity companies as a cybersecurity company so you create great cybersecurity companies. Yeah, with great cybersecurity outcomes, with the benefit to clients. Again, coming back to what you are saying earlier is you do all those things, you do it enough time, you've, you've changed an industry. You've made it better. Right on. I can imagine a great cybersecurity idea, uh, maybe not in this environment so much, but six months ago, you know, there's a lot of people who are interested in understanding and they may be saying like, hey, what do we get? You know, so what, what's in it for me? Why, why the investment from Almana Cyber? Why the follow-on rounds? You know, why them? And it's because I think we understand a lot of the lessons that you're going to have to learn hard from somebody else. So we're going to walk you through what we've learned through forming multiple companies, right? analyzing our own teams, analyzing our own founder teams for the gaps that we have, understanding if the market really exists the way we think it does. You know, rose-colored glasses is an old metaphor, but it exists. You know, when you think that the biggest problem in the world is, you know, I don't know, quantum cryptography, right? Then you're going to create a company to solve their problem. But maybe the market doesn't agree with you, right? We're going to ensure that the thing that you're building by talking to real customers and real analysts and real experts fits the market need. We'll help you with your financial modeling. You know, over the course of the last 40 episodes, Justin spent a fair amount of time talking about the importance of financial modeling and good business hygiene. And then on the other side of that, like completely flip it. We're going to help you with your messaging and marketing. Realize that making people afraid doesn't always work. Um, making people think they're going to save money doesn't always work. Sometimes making people afraid and think they're going to save money together doesn't always work. Right? So we're going to help you with your messaging and marketing, both from the objective perspective of folks who have done it, but also from the way it's heard by the clients you'd like to serve. And there's another piece of this that people don't think about, right? There's a certain Kevin Costner build it and they will come mentality in cybersecurity that says, ah, I'll build it, they'll come. And they don't ever, right? So we'll also help by engaging you with sales professionals, right? People who actually do sales for a living, who are gonna be responsible because of our relationship with New Harbor to take your message to the market and see how it resonates and figure out what you have to do to create your own sales force to be able to push this stuff out there. What tools do they need? What support do they need? What questions do the customers ask? What competitive information do you need? All of that. And so that's there as well. Operations and the way in which you're gonna manage this business and make sure it operates in a profitable way. And lastly, you're probably gonna have questions about the legal nonsense because it happens all the time. And we have the great good fortune of having great advisors from the legal perspective who'll make sure your company is well-formed, 
well run, your contracts are well articulated, and you keep yourself out of trouble. So there's all these things that come together, you know, to create what we think is a relatively unique package that is very, very, very specifically tailored to the needs of a cybersecurity community that's growing really rapidly and needs all the help you can give it. That's great. And so on that theme, founders work for companies that are going to be pre-revenue security companies, founders who are committed to building healthy, resilient companies are passionate about making cybersecurity easier and better for, for, for folks. And really, you know, when we look at these companies and the founders or the management team associated with them, they also need to be self-aware, kind of open to feedback because even having done this for a long time, I personally am still learning stuff all all the time, every day. And uh, you need to be open to learning and kind of adapting and changing with the industry because the truth of the matter is the cybersecurity landscape is constantly shifting. And if you're not able or willing or self-aware to shift with it, that's not going to be a good match. <laughs> it's not going to end well. And with it, you've got to be committed to the mission, to the company. And really, you've got to be willing to understand like this is going to be a challenging thing. It's, it's really not for the faint of heart, you know, and with it, you know, I think for people who feel like they fit that criteria and that's what they're looking for, I think those individuals would find it incredibly enriching. Being able to engage with like-minded people as part of a community might be one of the most valuable things that you would get out of it with it because we all know finding folks who are passionate about the industry and who are kind of dealing with the same things that you might be dealing with at the same time, it's super rare. So to be able to have that shared experience, I, I think is something that should really be cherished and, and, and valued. One thing that Justin said that I just want to reiterate is this sense of community around the cohort. As he's talking about the way in which these various technologies and the approaches apply to one another, realize that the clients always view cybersecurity as a single problem. And one of the reasons for Almana Cyber is to take that broad view, to identify the gaps, to identify the places where there's logical synergy between companies that are trying to build similar things or new companies that can add real value to existing companies. And because of our exposure in the industry, it provides us with a unique perspective of understanding when a company is truly a brand new thing in all its own. And sometimes when a company is just a really important addition to something that already exists. And so whichever place you think you find yourself in, if you think that there's a chance that there's a maximum success for you that is enabling another security technology or another IT technology to be better, realize Alman is the place as well because we're not gonna demand that you become a unicorn. We wanna make sure that the technology you bring that helps people be more secure finds its appropriate place in the ecosystem. I love it. Jack, so if you are a prospective founder that, that might be listening to this, you know, I guess kind of on the theme of like, you don't know what you don't know, I was saying, what should a founder be expecting to learn or complete as part of the cohort, like all the things that allow someone to develop a company? Like what are all the things that someone could expect to be developing as part of this cohort process? Maybe the best way to do it is sort of like a prioritized list. Yeah. Right. I think, I think you mentioned earlier on uh, in, in the podcast that the idea of sort of knowing what you don't know, because security changes so frequently, right? You and I have had the experience and we've talked about it in a couple of different episodes of companies that we've talked to who thought they were the first 
who thought it was new and I got a patent in it 12 years ago. You know I mean? That, that it's just a really, really complicated space, right? So we can help them with that. Like if you want to, as a startup company, figure out everything that potentially competes with what you're doing, you know, through the history of time, you can go do that work. And that's going to cost you a lot of time and a lot of heartache. Whereas the experience you get from not just us, of course, but our advisors and clients we deal with, you're going to find out pretty quickly how unique you are how distinct your value proposition is. And what people don't realize in this in this scenario is that sometimes you just have to be 10% different to be really, really important. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be completely different. So there's that. There's that marketplace understanding of what's happened in cybersecurity over time. A second thing is understanding like how hard it can be to get people to do the right thing. I think that one of the real benefits of our association with uh, New Harbor and the sales professionals that exist there and the hundreds of customers is that it can be easy to underestimate how hard it will be to get people to change the way they do things. I think about great companies, right? Think about a company like Okta. Okta comes into the marketplace and they're actually asking people to do their authentication completely differently. And that's a big ask, right? Somebody at the organizations which are succeeding with Okta had to go step in front of the firing squad and say, I think this is the best idea. It's going to change everything and we're just going to have to go do it. Right. And so I think that bringing them an appreciation of what it will take to sell what they have is super important. If I can give a caveat to the listeners, right, especially those folks who think they may want to be part of that first cohort or the second cohort, you know, when you think about it, there is a lot of things that you think will go a certain way. And because you're really smart and you understand your space, you know, it should go that way. And realize that the folks with whom you're talking, whether it's analysts or it's the customers you're trying to sell to prospects or even your own sellers trying to move it out there, they're not you, right? They're not you. And so you've got to find a way to communicate all your value and all your passion and all the importance of what you're doing to a community that's never going to know as much about what you do as them. And we can help you there as well, right? Because learning how to talk about security and communicate security messaging, it's really, really important. And it's hard to realize you know, that people don't realize they shouldn't put their hand on the stove. You think it's like totally natural. Not everybody knows they shouldn't put the hand on the stove. There's a fourth part of this, right? Which is that this is a company. It's really interesting. I've recruited CFOs for venture funded companies and for private equity funded companies um, and for publicly traded companies, right? And finance is really different in those three environments. And I'm sure I'll get hate mail, but the <laughs> finance people are really important to understand how you spend what you're getting so you make the growth happen so you hit the next round. That's a set of skills. Dude, it's a serious set of skills. And it's hard. And these people are really smart. That is not building a long-term financially stable company necessarily. The second group are trying to figure out how do I balance, right? How do I balance growth with supporting profitability? Because as a private equity investment, I got to make sure I understand both. And so I'm not going to let you be freewheeling. I'm not let you spend a million dollars on a Super Bowl ad because it brings us X more subscribers because I'm not going to see it at the bottom line. So they're more balanced. Then you get to the public traded companies in the sector and they're looking at it and they're like, dude, this is pretty tight stuff. We got to make sure that all our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed because we have a fiduciary responsibility as a publicly traded entity to make sure our stock stuff is clean, right? So another value you get from coming to Almana is understanding that these things are different is understanding you get to make the choice. By the way, Amana is not dictatorial. We're not gonna tell you, dudes, do it this way. As Justin mentioned, we wanna find self-aware, open-minded people because we love a good conversation. But this is your company. We're trying to help you build it, but we're gonna give you the information so you understand. Am I building for growth in an economic downturn? I'm gonna be laying people off. Am I building for balance? So I have growth and some kind of profitability because that feels pretty good to me. Am I building to be part of a publicly traded entity so everything is bulletproof, no hair on it? 
you know, we can help you understand that those are three different things. And I haven't known many firms who will actually take the time to understand you. So those four things together, right, the practical of the financial, plus the ways you approach what you're doing inside the market and the other three, I think is kind of unique value that we can bring to help you answer some of those initial questions if you were to come to me and say, hey, dude, what should I do? Yeah, you actually hit on exactly what I was hoping you would. But if I could kind of stitch those together in my own words, on the theme of trying to look around corners and seeing around corners is we know what the next round of investors is likely to ask and what their expectations are going to be. And given that we know what those things are and what those questions are going to be and what their expectations are going to be in order to kind of advance this forward, there's certain things that you're going to have to have addressed before you even come to the table. And you go to the next round of investors and say, hey, we're advancing this forward. We need additional dollars for this purpose or try to create this outcome or create this new component, if you will. That's a hard thing. And I've learned over time is that when you kind of get in front of investors and you're kind of making your pitch, like people are going to ask some really hard questions. And if you're not ready for it, you're just going to get bowled over pretty quick. And it's, um, it's a pretty humbling experience. But the whole spirit of the four things that Jack said is saying the theme of it, if I had a character, I'd put it in my own words, is helping you see around corners so you know what's coming. You're prepared to basically be ready for for the next round and advance forward. And you're not burning time, like doing stuff you shouldn't be doing or kind of wasting time on things that aren't necessarily important because at the end of the day, you're there to grow your company and kind of advance it forward. So following those four things you mentioned are, are significantly helpful. I think it's important, you know, because this is, this is a switch over for a lot of our listeners from what we typically do, which is trying to help people make cybersecurity get better for themselves. And in the course of decades between Justin and I doing this, we recognize that there's a way to make this market better, right? There's a reason why there's no gorilla in the security marketplace. There's a reason why people just expect to be breached. There's a reason why even great cyber insurance providers are losing money. It's because the ecosystem hasn't developed companies that were built in a way that tried to solve the real cybersecurity problem. They solved to solve a cybersecurity problem. And for us, for Justin and I, Amana Cyber provides an opportunity to invest in those companies who can truly move the needle. To follow on with that, I have 100% been there. We've definitely seen the challenges. Honestly, like, you know, when it comes to all this stuff is we've walked a mile in the shoes. Like me personally, not only as a customer, but also as a company trying to solve the same challenges that if you're listening to this, you aspire to kind of follow this path been down that path. I know the journey. That's part of it. So I think I kind of offer a unique perspective of, you know, having sat on both sides of the table. Jack, I think we start wrapping this one up. What do you say? Done. So we are going to be starting a new Almana podcast. Be able to look it up on um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, search for keyword Almana Cyber. You'll find it there. But we'll also put the link in the show notes so you can find it quickly. If you're interested in learning more, you can find us at almanacyber.com. Should be super self-explanatory. And if it's not, like we've done a terrible job, but all of the information is is on there for aspiring founders, folks with or teams with new emerging ideas. There's contact forms on almanacyber.com that you can reach out to us. But if you wanted to send us an email, it's info at almanacyber.com. Honed is still going to continue to exist in all the forms that you know it today. That's going to continue on. Today was just something special that Jack and I were kind of excited to share with the group. We've been working on it for a little while. So we're now ready to go accepting applications. Jack, anything else? 
I think it was a perfect end. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll get you on the next one.